Hi, everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are here with an Austria Grand Prix recap. While we'll never have a weekend like last weekend, with this weekend we have a sprint, so I do feel like there's twice as much to talk about. So with that, we'll just dive right on in. I'm Chessa. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Sarah. So for our main takeaways from the weekend, my main one was just a total momentum and vibe switch for Charles. He broke a two-month, five-race streak of woes where he had two DNFs due to engine problems, a grid penalty due to engine problems, and two times where Ferrari strategy wrecked him. But on the other hand, there's also trouble lurking under the surface with the team orders debate, and I think the Carlos and Charles drama is only going to get worse as the season continues if Carlos keeps driving well when Charles has made it pretty obvious that he thinks the team should just be 100% backing him. Also, just shout out to the midfield battles. It was incredible all weekend, and we love to see it. Yeah, so for me, definitely agree on the midfield. A lot of rising stars that I think fly under the radar sometimes. I'll get to that a little bit more when we talk about our MVPs. Um, And then on my end, we've talked a lot about reliability on this podcast. But on that note, I think despite the season being halfway over, I really don't think anyone can say with confidence who's going to prevail. Like Max definitely has a big lead, but Red Bull is showing a lot of reliability issues and Mechanical DNFs are heartbreaking and honestly just getting a little boring at this point. Like, (laughs) you know, like let's have some driver error or something that's mixing things up instead of just, you know, cars failing out. And on that note, while Mercedes had a tough start to the weekend, their consistency is really keeping them in the fight. And I dare say they are quote unquote back and I feel a Lewis win incoming. That is a hot, that's a spicy take. (laughs) I won't say back, but I do agree that a Lewis win is incoming. Yes. We'll see. My main takeaway was less so about the race, but with the Ferrari DNF woes compounding, I'm also going to have to go with reliability. I think that's going to make or break this new generation of cars and really start to define a team's ability to attract top, top talent. Like obviously Ferrari is about as high caliber as it gets. And obviously I think they're entering some serious glory days, but this is going to be a major part of the conversation when drivers choose to switch teams, just watching signs on the side of the, the road, being so frustrated with his car. Like for him, he's at the best team. Like what, what can he do? You know, it's just this reliability thing is really going to start to be a big issue. I think. Totally. I agree. And we'll get into this, but it also really starts to impact team orders and when, and if a team decides to put all their weight behind one driver, because if the car finishes every race because it's reliable. A 30-plus point deficit in the Drivers' Championship could just be game over for the number two driver. Like, oh, it makes it super obvious that he needs to put all their weight behind the mm-hmm. number one driver, Charles, in this instance. But that can kind of switch any race with these DNFs. Like, if Charles gets two more DNFs, it's, again, back where we started. So it just makes it all a lot more complicated. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So how are hot takes held up? For me, no bueno. I said Botas in the top five. I didn't know he was going to take a grid penalty for the new engine. So I guess P11 wasn't too bad, all things considered. Was kind of a Hail Mary anyway. So, (laughs) oh well. (laughs) Sorry, Botas. good. I I had Max, Charles, and Carlos. Obviously, Carlos wasn't there, but we had Hamilton instead. So I think I did pretty well. 
I'm pretty sure I said both Mercedes in the top five and Mick in the points. So oh, I'm giving Ooh. myself a good grade on that one. Nice. Tiggy did say, though, that me saying Max would mid mile mile wasn't a hot take, but maybe it was hot because it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say Max finished P2 and 41 seconds ahead of Lewis in P3. <laughs> so I stand by my comment that that's not a hot take. <laughs> But I love I love the max representation. Of course, we have to have it. So MVPs, mine was Mick. Epic weekend, going wheel to wheel with some of the greats. I'm just absolutely giddy for him. Same. Got to give that honorary mention to Mick, and so happy he got driver of the day in P6. And he was told he got driver of the day during his post race interview, and he was so happy and surprised. It was so pure. But <laughs> I think my MVP has to be Charles due to his performance at the end. He dominated the whole race, and then in the last few laps, first his throttle pedal got stuck. So basically, he had 20% throttle on all through the corners while he was trying to brake and was also having trouble downshifting all while Max was breathing down his neck. But he somehow managed to hang on and was so composed. Yes, we loved to see that. For me, I'm going to go with Ocon. Justice for Ooh, Ocon. I like that. No one ever talks about him, but I am here to give him his moment today. So P5 and his best result of the season, all around stellar weekend from him. And he's been consistent in maximizing the potential of the car. And also, not only is he right up there performing with Alonso, he has 52 of Alpine's 81 points, which is 65% of the points this season. So talk about putting the team on your back, and that is against a former world champion, no less. So I think he's really not getting the credit he deserves this season. I want to give him a shout-out and home race for him next in France. So let's manifest great things for him. Amazing. Totally, and also hopefully their car works a bit better. So Because Alonso's had so many reliability issues, if it's more reliable, they can have more of a head-on fight and see if yeah. Ocon can establish himself. Yes. Okay, LVPs, what do we got? Mine was track limits. Why was everyone seeing them? Why was there investigations happening every other lap? And why didn't they just make them wider? I just think this was a moot point. (laughs) Mine was the abuse of fans. Just what on earth? It's so horrible that people go to an F1 race, which is supposed to be such a fun, joyful event, and get abused. It's, oh, we're going to talk about it, but horrible. Yes, totally agree. Mine, we already mentioned it a bit. Reliability makes the season a lot less fun when drivers DNF through no fault of their own. And four mechanical failures out of 11 races for both Ferrari and Red Bull this year. So what that means, in other words, on average, in over one third of your races, you are having at least one car DNF, which is totally unacceptable for a top team. So, Wow, that's a wild stat. Kind of crazy. So jumping into some news super quickly before we get into the weekend, some there were some barbs between Max and Lewis last week, just like old times, because Lewis made a comment about how Charles was a quote-unquote sensible driver going around cops at Silverstone and how it was different from last year. And so Max was asked about it, and Max was like, it's good to know that at age 37 you can learn how to find the apex. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. And then in other spiciness, Seb was given a 25,000 euro suspended penalty for apparently cursing and storming out of the Austria driver's briefing. He later apologized, but the dispute had some merit. It seems to be over the inconsistency in the application of the rules this year. seems like the drivers only want there to be one race director, and the drivers are pretty united and being annoyed right now about the inconsistency. We saw this a lot at Silverstone with drivers pushing others off track, getting an advantage off track, all of that. So... As per usual, the FIA needs to get it together. Other rule updates. The bouncing and porpoising metric we've been talking about is being delayed again to spa in late August. 
And also, after a months-long campaign by the top teams, the budget cap has been increased by 3.1% due to inflation. So that is pretty major. I feel like they would have given them at least like 7%, but I guess we'll see what they can get. 3% on millions of dollars is not terrible, but yeah, probably not a huge chunk in the long run. And then as, as Sarah mentioned, with the abusive comments and other actions this weekend, we wanted to talk a little bit about that and just the awful harassment that happened at the track this weekend. The stories were really awful and people were sharing their stories on social media, groping, catcalling, people being worried for their safety. And this has happened both at Austria before and at other races. So it's not really just an isolated event. Yeah, F1 said that they had told like the track promoter that they needed more security to fix the situation going forward. But first of all, I feel like that's not really getting to the root of the problem. And second of all, the statement that they had put out was disappointing. It was very vague and just mentioned like, quote, completely unacceptable comments in general. Like reading the statement, if you didn't know the context of what was actually happening, you could just think about general bad behavior or heckling and it never really acknowledged like the depth of the issue that it was targeting not only women, people of color, the LGBTQ community, obviously just unacceptable things. What was a kind of a positive spin to this, Aston Martin and Mercedes were able to welcome some of the fans that had been abused to the garages, which was really nice to kind of help, I guess, add some more color to their weekend and make it a little bit nicer about what had happened. And they also did ask some of the, the drivers after. They asked Max Lewis and Charles about it. Max basically said that he had read some things that were, quote, shocking, and that, quote, a normal human being wouldn't act like this. He did also suggest some more security, maybe limits on how much alcohol is sold, which I guess is a valid point. Charles had said it was unacceptable, also pretty vague, boilerplate. And then Lewis, of course, our king, made a much more personal statement about how sad it was. And he mentioned the groups that were targeted as well. And Vettel said that abusive fans should get a lifetime ban, which is a great idea if there's actually enough security around that people think incidents will be witnessed and that that would get enforced. Toto's statement was my favorite. What a legend. He said, quote, if you abuse in whatever way, sexist, racist, homophobic, you're simply brainless and no alcohol can excuse that. And then he added that if any of the people, any of the offenders were reading this, quote, we don't want you if you're part of that group, bleep off. Thank you, Toto. Succinctly said. I think this is also a larger topic for another time, but I'm thinking about the harassment of women, people of color, and the LGBTQ plus community in F1 and thinking about it this weekend and the response from F1 compared to when they host races in Saudi and other places in the Middle East. We don't hear stories like what happened this weekend, like blatantly over social media, but there's still an implicit stance when they choose to host races in countries that treat women as lesser than men, they prosecute free speech, prosecute homosexuality, et cetera. So I mean, I, it's sad that I had to come to this point this weekend in Austria. But again, this is part of a larger conversation and that I really hope F1 is grappling with. 100% yeah, agree. Totally agree. So getting into the weekend, practice and quali. FP1, not much happened. The Red Bulls, Ferraris, and Mercedes all looked good. Two red flags reduced practice time, which is really impactful with only one practice before quali. I would say the main story there was the start of McLaren's horrible day. Lando had a new power unit, but then something started smoking under his seat. So they took him in and went back to a different power unit. So Lando only got in 14 laps before quali. Gasly called one of the Ferraris an idiot on the radio since he thought he was being held up. Also the start of a really bad weekend for him there. 
For quali, the circuit is basically only seven corners, so the margins are usually really tight, which makes it exciting. There were lots of track limit problems, foreshadowing. So in terms of Q1, for the third race in a row, both Aston Martins were out. They have truly just been horrible in quali. Latifi and Joe were also out. Then Ricardo was out, and he just sounded defeated on the radio. The start of another subpar weekend for him as well. Q2, the huge story was Mercedes looked amazing. They were really close to Red Bull and Ferrari on pace, and it prompted the Mercedes admin to tweet, quote, this is going to be fun about Q3, which was <laughs> one of the most epic jinxes of recent that. time. Yeah, the internet went wild over that one. Lando was struggling a lot with the car. It seemed like there was some sort of a braking issue, so just a bad day. Gasly, Albon, Botas, Yuki, and Lando were all out. So for Q3, it was a pretty cool lineup. We had both cars from Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, Alpine, and both Haases. Hamilton looked pretty off. He backed out of two laps, causing Leclerc to curse on the radio. Um, And then he lost the rear at turn seven. He went into the barriers, had a pretty hard crash. I think it was a little bit of an uncharacteristic mistake from him. But of course, the classy gentleman he is, he just apologized to the team. Then shortly after the session resumed after his red flag, George also lost the rear in a very similar accident. It seems that they a little odd that they both made mistakes, but maybe they're just grappling with the new speed on the car. And what was kind of funny is they had to like obviously fix the cars. The mechanics were up all night and they didn't have enough parts for two drivers crashing. So George had to get an old spec rear wing for the race on Saturday. And then once the session resumed after both of their crashes, there was enough time for just one last flying lap. Charles was on provisional pole with the Ferraris 1-2. But then Max was down in sectors one and two on his lap slap. So it was looking like Ferrari was going to cinch it. And then classic Max just pulled it out of the bag in the last <laughs> second and he got pull and the orange army went wild. Yeah. And then one note on the Checo issue in Q3. So it was pretty obvious that Checo violated track limits on his best lap in Q2, which causes your lap time to get deleted. But instead of doing that on time, the stewards took hours And after Checo had already done Q3 and gotten P4, they deleted all his Q3 lap times and his best Q2 lap, putting him in P13, which was really annoying for Checo, obviously, but also for Gasly, since he didn't get a chance to compete in Q3. So just overall, kind of a fumble from the FIA. There was plenty of time to figure this out before Q3, eight minute gap between Q2 and Q3, and they could have delayed it, all of that. So... Like Chessa said, results after the Checo penalty, it was really close at the top. Max and the Ferraris were all within a few hundreds of each other. Ferrari used a lower downforce wing, which probably helped close the gap to Red Bull. And after those top three, we had Russell, Ocon, K-Mag, Schumacher, Alonso, Hamilton, and Gasly. And FP2 was pretty uneventful. Both Alpines were still in the top five, really showing some great pace this weekend. And Danny Rick was back there struggling in P17. Just the struggle bus just never ends. So the sprint, kind of the main highlight, these cars can follow so closely. It's just been amazing. And just what I think a sprint should be like, the main highlights are really the Ferraris fighting and then also some good midfield battles. There was a really chaotic start because both Alonso and Joe had car problems. They had to do an extra formation lap, which is really rare. Alonso ended up not being able to start the race. And it's sad because he's starting at – he's driving at one of the highest levels of his career, according to him. And it sucks that he's lost so many points this year from reliability problems. In this case, it was an electrical issue. So once the sprint had gotten underway, mostly everyone was starting in mediums. There was a few in the back that had started on softs. 
right at the beginning, there was some contact between Gasly and Lewis off the line. Gasly had a big spinoff. He was able to keep going. It was funny. Will Buxton basically said that Gasly is allergic to sprint races. Um, <laughs> Lewis blamed Gasly for it. Gasly was also involved in the start crash last weekend. He's having a little bit of issues here. And then in true Max fashion as well, he had a great start ahead of the Ferraris into turn one. But on the exit of turn one, Carlos passed Charles. It was very exciting. Carlos was wheel to wheel with Max going into turn three. Max held on. And then Charles passed Carlos back at turn four. So the Ferraris continued to battle super closely for the first few laps while Max was able to pull out ahead. So the Ferraris, this is where we get into a little bit of the drama. For the first several laps, Carlos looked super strong and looked actually a little bit faster than Charles. And Charles was fighting tooth and nail to keep Carlos behind. In both lap six and then lap seven, Carlos tried to pull a move on Charles and they almost touched, but both times Charles hung on. Carlos on the radio goes, I thought the fight was up front. In other words, let me pass because then I can fight Max. Sneaky. Yes, ended up finishing Charles P2 and Carlos P3, but neither could bring the fight to Max. A little bit of trouble in paradise for these two who have gotten along for most of the season and some pretty awkward press conference moments. Yeah, so some of these moments, Charles was just clearly unhappy after the race. A hint of sarcasm when he said, I hope so, in response to whether he thought the Ferraris could fight Max on Sunday instead of each other. Then the top three sat down for the more formal press conference. And in classic fashion, the reporters just go in. And so a reporter just asked both the Ferrari drivers if there needed to be team orders. And Charles basically said yes. He said, didn't say it explicitly, but he said, tomorrow we can't afford to do what we did today. Max is, meanwhile, sitting between them, also looking awkward. And then <laughs> Carlos kind of said, no, let me race. Like He was like, I'll see how I feel and how the pace is in front of me. And then, again, a reporter straight up asked, do you need rules of engagement to not fight each other? And they both were just like, um, it's up to Mattia. So, yeah, it was – they were not really talking. Like, it was definitely uncomfortable. And it's kind of super obvious how Charles feels that he's upset with the team not fully backing him. And overall this weekend, when you kind of see them interacting after, like Charles and Max, who are supposed to be the main title ri rivals, were made way chummier than the two teammates. And so Mattia also weighed in in the press conference, and he basically said with team orders, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if you do team orders, people freak out and criticize you for not letting them race. And then when you don't do team orders, you get a lot of heat for losing the number one driver points. Um, and so Mattia said that the situation could change. This is before the race. He said the situation could change later in the championship, but that as of now, it's not yet time for team orders or to fully back one driver. And Toto was like, welcome to the club of having this problem. So it seems like Charles and Tia are really at odds over this one. I mean, I don't think Ferrari needs to pick anyone just yet. But I think what they do need to stop doing is these dumb veiled team orders <laughs> that they've been doing that aren't explicit team orders, but they're basically just like done on the pretense of holding competitors off. Like when we saw the restart last weekend and they were telling Carlos to hold back so that, you know, they could, like, support P1 and, like, stop the P3 person from coming up. I just think it's silly. They just need to be transparent. Yeah. My thoughts on this, we've gotten a few passionate Tifosi coming after us for our stance on this topic, but <laughs> I stand by the opinion that this is a delicate and nuanced decision that really shouldn't happen prematurely. Like, do I think Charles is the better driver? Yes, absolutely. But as we mentioned sort of at the beginning with these DNFs and stuff, Charles has had a worse share of bad luck this season with reliability, poor strategy decisions, and 
small but consequential mistakes on his end that have cost him a lot and really had nothing to do with this team order debate in the past couple of races. So while I think it's a valid question and something that Ferrari should figure out sooner rather than later, I think it's an easy thing to point to as Max continues to pull ahead. But mm-hmm. in my mind, blaming the lack of team orders for Charles's current standing current standings is sort of focusing on a single tree in a very large forest of other totally. issues. Totally. There's so many like team order if the Ferrari car didn't break down, Charles wouldn't need team orders. He'd be like 50 points ahead of Carlos. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of other issues. And I think it depends whether or not we criticize them depends on what the goal is. Like if the goal is to win the driver's championship at all costs, no matter what, which is kind of how Red Bull sees it, then yeah, they just need to start at every moment choosing Charles and making sure he gets a better strategy and all of that. But at the same time, like it, it, it is this interesting dynamic where Mattia basically made a comment of how like Ferrari, the institution comes first. And so if they're going more for having two drivers at the top or constructors or PR and not wanting to seem like the team that will hurt one of their own drivers, like there's just so many factors at play that I think it's, it's after this race, I think it's more clear now that Charles is almost 40 points ahead of uh, Carlos. I do think it's more clear, but I think at least going into this race when they were only 11 points apart, I think letting them race during the sprint was the right call. Yeah, we have a whole half of the season to go here. And this whole debate is the beauty of F1. Like in what other sport is it an individual and a team sport where, you know, principals and CEOs have to decide which to prioritize? Because at the end of the day, you sort of have to prioritize one or the other. As fans, yeah, it's really fascinating. But that's the structure. So a couple other final highlights of this sprint. Checo in classic Checo fashion. He started P13 and finished P5. Had some really nice, clean overtaking moves through the midfield. We saw some amazing Mick versus Lewis action. Who would have thought that two consecutive weekends we'd have Mick putting on solid wheel-to-wheel battles with two world champions? Love to see it. Mick managed to hold Lewis behind him for pretty much 10 laps when Lewis was right on him. Mick was driving flawlessly, and Lewis was getting frustrated But then after Mick said that the battle shouldn't have even happened because he had more pace and could have passed K-Mag, but Mick was told to hold position. It's another little team order drama there. So we ended the sprint with the top eight getting points, and this is the starting grid for Sunday. So we had Max, Charles, Carlos, George, Checo, Ocon, K-Mag, Lewis, Mick, Botas. And like we said, Botas was taking a grid penalty for the new power unit components and will be starting from the back of the grid. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at tacovas.com. 
So the race overall, despite Ferrari making it hard for Charles, he dominated all all Sunday. Max really couldn't keep up and was struggling on race pace, which is very unusual for him. The midfield was so tight, some amazing wheel-to-wheel racing. Towards the middle of the race, there was an Alpha Tauri, an Alpha Romeo, an Alpine, a McLaren, and both Haas's within just meters of each other. It's literally my dream. <laughs> then on lap 24, there was an amazing five-car moment, another five-car moment. We had one last weekend. We had that on turn one. Uh, we, we posted that on our Instagram story. It was awesome. Again, this is just a testament to the 2022 cars and regulations. Makes me very happy. So at the start, again, as per usual, Max got off the line well, was ahead of both Ferraris going into turn one. George had a great start and was inside of Carlos going into turn one. But then Checo was right up alongside George and going into turn four, they made contact. George was on the inside. Checo was trying to go around the outside. Checo spun out and did about half of the race and last, but he just had too much damage to make up any ground. So they retired the car. This looked like a racing incident. George was right up against the inside line and Checo had space on the outside, but George did get a five second penalty, which he said was harsh. So pretty from the, really the start, it was just obvious the Ferraris had a lot more pace. Charles caught up to Max by like lap nine by lap, lap 10. They had some good hard racing and Max said he couldn't defend for very long. Then Max pitted really early going for that two stop strategy while the Ferraris were going for a one stop. So the Ferraris got the one, two once Max pitted. And I think as soon as it was clear, they were on a different strategy to Red Bull. People were like, how oh, far I messed up the pit stops. <laughs> Yeah, so by team, Ferrari, this was Charles's day. As we said, he just dominated the entire race, was way faster than Max. Uh, side note, is it becoming a trend that when one Ferrari driver has a good day, the other has a horrible one? That's it one looks, way to get out of team orders. Yeah. It <laughs> looks, blow up one car, yeah. <laughs> it looks set for an easy one-two when on lap 57, Carlos's engine failed in a dramatic fashion Engine blow up is probably a better description of what happened. It started smoking and he pulled off, but was on an uphill runoff section and couldn't get the car stopped. Then the engine literally burst into flames while Carlos was still in the car and it started rolling backwards. It was just really scary because Carlos couldn't get out. And by the time the entire car was up in flames and he was still in the car, the marshals finally ran out to grab the car while he hopped out. But Carlos later said that the marshals were too slow getting him. And his radio message was so sad, just like, no, in the most heartbreaking tone. And I think the picture of the day for him was just sitting on the side of the road with his head in his hands while his cousin and manager was in the Ferrari garage doing the same thing. It was just a very sad. So sad. And again, in terms of championship, he's definitely going to need to take grid penalties for power unit and engine stuff now. So it's yeah. on top of injury. Injury. Charles, on the other hand, was just out there cruising for most of the race. On lap 12, he had a beautiful pass of Max after a great battle for a few laps. Then later on in the race after pitting, he easily passed Max twice more when Max was really struggling on pace and didn't defend. The first fight and pass towards the beginning was a really good example of just how far this season they get really close but leave each other enough room and clearly are super like chummy together after the races, which is fun to see. They always have a little debrief. <laughs> And of course, it wouldn't be a Ferrari weekend without some unnecessary drama. So with 10 laps left, Charles started having throttle problems. His throttle was stuck and he still 20% throttle on. So unbelievable. He was able to drive with such composure and keep up for the last few laps. So he clung on to that win and really, really deserved it. For sure. 
For Red Bull, we'll have to note that Max showed up for the weekend wearing a normal, not a flat brim hat, very out of character for his <laughs> typical style. So maybe that was a bad omen. The team brought some upgrades this weekend. They changed the airflow over the floor a bit, had some more openings on the engine cover to help with the cooling. Checo had made a comment that implied he thought the upgrades were better suited to Max. Max was asked about it, and he just said that he likes it, but the car is just designed to increase pace. So neither nor for each of the drivers. Overall, though, the car showed such good pace earlier in the weekend. It was weird that Max was really struggling at points on Sunday. He did say that he was having a lot of tire problems. Even though this is supposed to be a low deg circuit, it did seem that the track was having a lot higher deg than expected. The car he was saying on the radio was super unpredictable. Some laps he would have front grip, other laps he wouldn't. He really couldn't get a handle on it. Luckily for him, though, he was able to pick up the pace a lot right at the end, ended up getting fastest lap and was gaining on Charles in the last few laps. So he definitely deserved that P2. And then one final note on Red Bull. We can't believe we missed it in our Rise of Red Bull segment last episode, but needed to mention Adrian Newey, who is the chief technology officer of Red Bull Racing. He is considered one of the best engineers in Formula One, and it's widely accepted that Red Bull owes a ton of their success to his designs. He has been there since 2006, so the Christian Adrian Dream Team is still going strong. And he deserves more time in another episode, but just to throw out a couple quick highlights for him, his car designs have won 183 Grand Prix, 10 Constructors Championships, and seven Drivers Championships, which is absolutely insane. If you're interested more on him, you should read his autobiography, How to Build a Car, which is supposed to be pretty incredible. And another plug for How to Build a Car is there was a Mercedes video recently where they were doing a technical debrief or something. And in the guy's office behind him, he had how to build a car on a bookshelf. No way. <laughs> yes way. <laughs> so Haas, Haas is on fire. The Steiner ship this week is a 150 foot yacht with a hot tub and champagne towers everywhere. Love so <laughs> P6 for Schumacher is his best ever finish and P8 for K-Mag and baby Mick, a driver of the day. I think Haas wins the midfield this week, especially with Mick having some amazing battles with Hamilton in both the sprint and he got a good pass on Hamilton in the race. A close contender for Radio of the Week was Lewis making a comment at one point about how fast Haas was on the radio during the race. And K-Mag and Mick just really had to hustle in that in those midfield battles, doing a lot of good wheel-to-wheel racing. They were in that epic like five-car midfield battle at turn one, so... They put in the work and they really deserved it. And I predicted this, but I was like, maybe Mick is just going to have a glow up. And now that he has his first points, like his time will be here. And I don't want to jinx him, but maybe that's true. Amazing. So for Mercedes overall, it seems like they actually came away with the most points possible. Despite having both of their cars wrecked in quali, they did okay in the end. And they still finished P3 and P4, which we love to see. Oh, and also funny to note, Lewis had a pretty lonely race. He was up there at the front and he said that he had these long straights and he was just watching the race from the big screens with all the other spectators. So (laughs) big, big moment for him there. (laughs) And George was complaining about the car being slow. So it's kind of miraculous that they can just have these wrecks and be struggling so much. And then somehow it's still P3 and P4. Story of the entire season, I feel like for them, (laughs) just like how did they finish so high up? (laughs) Everyone else is messing up, I guess. Alpine, amazing weekend overall for the team. They are now tied with McLaren for constructors in fourth. And if this trend continues, it seems like Alpine is really establishing themselves as sort of the best of the rest. 
an absolutely iconic Alonso moment here. He was trying to pass Yuki on the straight between turns three and four and literally ran his right wheels into the grass and still managed to pass Yuki while throwing up grass everywhere. And then he waved to Yuki as he passed, which is so funny. But sadly, he cannot catch a break. His luck is so bad. At the end of the race, he was having all these weird tire vibration problems and had to go in for a third pit stop was investigated for an unsafe pit release, but it was cleared and he still finished P10. So good result for him. Like we mentioned, so thrilled for Ocon. Awesome race for him in P5. And Alpine just keeps bringing these upgrades that work super well. And Ocon said they're going to keep doing that. And they are doing this all on budget as a reminder because they were against the cost cap increase. So some savvy budget people over there bringing all these upgrades. We love to see it. Yeah, they were the only people that voted against that inflation increase. So very budget savvy. (laughs) So McLaren, overall a pretty bad weekend. Horrible quality, as we said. They made up a little ground in the sprint and then did have a double points finish in P7 and P9. But they're now tied with Alpine and Constructors. So just tough. Lando was still in good spirits. He had some great midfield battles, and he did think without all their Friday problems, they could have done better on pace. But Danny, man, so he's still saying they don't understand the car, can't figure out what's going on, but it's been like a season and a half of this. So at a certain point, I don't know. And Lando did say that he understands Danny's problems to some extent since it's a less stable and more jumpy car, and Danny really likes a more stable car, but like still – and Colin Herta, who we've mentioned, who's the IndyCar driver, who is a McLaren F1 candidate, is testing for McLaren this week, doing a two-day test at Portimao in Portugal, dot, dot, dot. Okay, Aston Martin, tough weekend for them, as per usual these days. They did have some good midfield battling passes on Sunday. Stroll didn't pit for a while. He was actually running P4, which was really funny. Eventually, he had to pit. Lap 40, Vettel got spun by Gasly at turn four. Vettel said it was his corner and what the heck is wrong with these people? He was very disappointed that that was also another close contender for a radio of the week, I think. And then our last few teams here, Williams, Latifi retired due to floor damage and it was not even mentioned. There was a lot of other stuff going on. Alex showed some good pace and finished P12, but not a ton to speak about for them. Alpha Tauri, disaster of a weekend, cursing on the radio. Gasly was involved in that sprint lap one incident, very similar to his role in the Silverstone crash. And Gasly was also involved in contact on Sunday. They are eighth in the constructors behind Haas, which is crazy. And they finished P15 and P16 this race. So not counting the DNFs and Vettel having been spun out by Gasly and coming in last, the Alpha Tires were basically in last. And to add to that, Pierre was one of the many people that got a, or one of the many people that got warnings, one of the three drivers who got a five-second time penalty for track limits. So just bad. So bad. And then just to wrap up on the teams, Alpha Romeo, Botas said going into this that Alpha was having a lot of different reliability problems, so not always the same issue, which is really tough. So Botas had to start from the pit lane for taking new power unit components, as we mentioned. But solid race for them once they got going. Joe defended well against Alonso for a bit, and that was quite the achievement for a rookie, especially after the week that he has had and after the aftermath of the crash. Botas had a good recovery drive as well to P11, but sadly could not make it into the points. So our final thoughts in Radio of the Week. Radio of the Week was, quote, I was scared. I was really scared. And it was Charles after he won, thinking he couldn't pull it off because of his throttle problems in the last few laps. So the internet loves that already. 
So just a check-in on the standings in drivers. We now have Max with 208, Charles with 170, Checo with 151, Science with 133, and then the two Mercedes drivers at 128 and 109. Then for constructors, Red Bull is 359, Ferrari 303, Mercedes 237. And then in one of the big stories, McLaren and Alpine tied at 81 for best of the rest. So this has been so fun, and we have a special episode for you this week, so get excited for that. And then we will also be back with a French Grand Prix preview.